0: But this morning we hear God's missional word from the Gospel of John 20:19 to 22. The uh, context of this passage in John 20 is that Jesus has just been crucified. He was just crucified on Friday. And now it's Sunday, and the disciples are fearing for their lives. They lost their friend. They're also grieving. And it's Sunday the tomb's empty. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene and says, you know, go tell the rest of the disciples. And so she runs to the disciples to share this miraculous news. And so we read John 20, 19 and 22. On the evening of the first day of, um, of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, when the doors with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came among them, and he said, Peace be with you. And he said this, and he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw their Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In our time of confession and assurance this morning, we heard from Ephesians 2. And we heard, there was the, the, it talks about being saved by grace alone, not on account of our own doing um, or our good works. But it did bring up, talk about good works, that God prepared these good works of ours in advance. Scripture talks a little bit uh, about election at times, God choosing his people, and that's one of the Reformed doctrines um, is on election, and I think it's a topic that is probably one of the most challenging topics from Scripture that can be discussed. I recall author and pastor Richard Mao talking about election in his book Calvinism in the Las Vegas Airport. And he refers to election as one of those doctrines that he calls a shelf doctrine. That there are times that it is okay to talk about election and the context is okay to talk about election. But there are other times and perhaps more often to just simply put this doctrine on the shelf just for the time being. Shelf doctrines are still believed in, but sometimes you just don't know what to do with it. And it's okay to shelf a doctrine. It's not putting it away for good. It's just putting it away for a bit. So this morning, though, we're just kind of pulling that doctrine off the shelf just for a moment. Because I'm going to suggest that election is a straightforward word. We use the word election in politics all the time. People are elected into office. Being elected implies that you are elected for a purpose. You're elected maybe to become a mayor of of a town or a city. You're elected to become prime minister or president. You're elected to become an elder or a deacon. You're elected for a purpose. Reformed believers state that we are elected by God. And so it would be fair to say that we are elected for a purpose. And we might say that we are elected for the purpose to be saved. But I don't think that sounds very Reformed or even Biblical. Yes, election includes salvation. But is salvation our purpose? I don't think so. So what are we elected for? Robert Demure's book, Quest of Faith, he states this about election. Election isn't just about being chosen for salvation. It's about being chosen for God's mission in the world. God has chosen people to be saved for a purpose. God has chosen his people to grow his kingdom today. Again, the, uh, the quote... Election isn't just about being chosen for salvation. It's about being chosen for God's mission in this world. You see, election is quite easy and straightforward. We're going put to put this doctrine back on the shelf. The Gospel of John this morning, as we've read it, it's not talking about Election. But it is talking about the purpose. The disciples in John 20 were locked up in this room, and I would say rightfully so. We mentioned already some of the context of this passage. We're taken back to the weekend that Jesus was crucified, and there was utter darkness, there was utter chaos. Prisoners who deserved punishment were being released from prison. And the hero, an innocent person who did not deserve punishment was tried. He was hung up on a cross. He was crucified. He was killed. And the disciples who were followers of Jesus were in this room on this Sunday with the door being locked because there was fear. There was fear for other Jews. The disciples already heard the news that Jesus was no longer in the tomb. Mary Magdalene had told the disciples that she had, in fact, seen Jesus, but there still remained fear. Because Jesus, at this point, was nowhere to be seen. And, what next? What if the disciples were blamed for stealing Jesus' body out of the tomb? Or perhaps, maybe, the disciples, what was going through their minds, was that the people had already crucified one of their own on Friday afternoon. What was to stop them from killing more of Jesus' followers? Will the temple authorities eventually find out where the disciples are hiding, in what room, what house, and will they be arrested too? Were the disciples coming to the end of their life on this earth? So the disciples were afraid. They probably felt abandoned because a few years earlier, they they had left everything to follow Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. They dropped everything. They followed Jesus. And now here they are, supposed to have been following Jesus, but their leader is gone. They're probably feeling somewhat hopeless. Things didn't seem to be going all that well that weekend. This is not the journey that the disciples signed up for. This is way off their map. So what should one do? Well, they locked themselves up in the comfort of a room. Again, we need to cut them some slack, because they were mourning the loss of a dear friend. But they were also sheltering themselves by locking themselves up in the room. They were also sheltering themselves from the outside world. Well, the next thing that happens is another miracle. Of course, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a miracle. And then another miracle occurs the doors are still locked, and Jesus stands among his disciples. The disciples had an encounter with their Lord and Savior. That's Sunday. And when there's an encounter, things change. People change. Jesus makes himself known to the disciples, and he is offering them his amazing grace. You know, they're locked tight in this room. They're scared. They're not doing what they're called to do. I mean, they should have known that. Okay, Jesus said, I'm going to die on the Friday. I'm going to rise on the Sunday. Don't worry, folks. But no, they lock themselves in the room. And once Jesus appears again before them, he offers them his amazing grace. And he offers them three gifts to the disciples in this passage. And the three gifts that he offers them are peace, prompting, and power. So you can leave today remembering that I preached on something that started with a P, at least. Peace, prompting, and power. And there's this phrase that comes from Jesus' mouth that we heard in this passage. Peace be with you. And Jesus showed that he was, it was truly him by showing the disciples his hands, by showing them his side. And again, he said to his disciples, Peace be with you. Now, peace be with you was a normal greeting that people in these ancient Israel, they would, they would greet each other with. So this was not abnormal. But what was abnormal, that Jesus greeted the disciples twice with peace be with you. This was no ordinary greeting. It was no ordinary day. The last words that the disciples heard from Jesus on that Friday is when he cried out, It is finished. And now he's standing there before them saying, Peace be with you. It continues. And he gives them these words. He gives them not only the words, he gives them peace. Look at what happens when he offers his peace and he shows them that he is truly the Lord. The disciples were overjoyed. The disciples could have remained locked in their room, but Jesus didn't allow for that. He entered into that room and he offered the gift of peace that only he can give them. And the disciples received the peace of their risen Lord and Savior. Jesus desires his people to be at peace. He states in John fourteen twenty seven, where we read, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. The world gives fear. But no, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. The peace of Christ be with you. I think it's beautiful when so many, so many churches, whether Protestant or Catholic churches, they use these words at the beginning of the service, the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you and also with you. Fear prevents people from doing the things that need to be done. Fear is something of the world. Now, if Jesus had not showed up and disciples continued to remain in fear, they could have very well stayed in that lock, locked up in that upper room But Jesus shows up and he offers his peace and he's able to remove any fear. The circumstances, the current reality, the present reality of this situation could appear to be so hopeless. But Jesus, through his presence, through his peace, he is offering his disciples, he's offering his people hope, he's offering potential, he's offering them a journey towards God's mission. And when there are times of discouragement in your own life, or even times of discouragement in the life of the church, those times happen, of course. Receive the Lord's peace. May the peace of Jesus Christ be with you. Now, you don't simply get an injection of peace upon you. It's not like getting the flu shot in the fall or anything. The resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us hope. It gives us assurance. The resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us a peace. You are given a peace, but you have to receive that peace. His peace is offered to you, but you need to receive it. It, It's not just a matter of sitting in your most comfortable lazy boy chair and receiving his limitless, unconditional, boundless peace upon you. I mean, it is that easy, actually, but, but it doesn't ignore the reality that you have a responsibility. Remember, we are chosen. We are chosen by God, and we are chosen for a purpose. And Jesus' presence and his words to his disciples give them peace. And his presence today and his words today continue to give us peace. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And he promises to be with us through all times. Even after he ascended ascended into the heavens, he he promised the power of his Holy Spirit of Jesus upon his people. Intentionally, we need to learn more and more about Jesus through the scriptures. Intentionally, we need to talk to Jesus more and more through times of prayer. Tonight, we'll be expanding this topic of being missional and we're going to be talking more about that tonight next week we'll be talking about spiritual disciplines how we can be more intentional in our reading in our prayer life in our in our walk with Jesus Christ and we'll be challenged in that area when things don't go according to your plan when things in the church don't go according to your plan We still have peace. Because our God is in control. And he's the one that's able to remove the fears. And he's the one that gives us hope. He gives you peace. Again, the disciples could have remained in their rooms, but Jesus didn't allow for that. And he entered in that room. He entered with the gift of peace that only he can give them. And the disciples received the peace of the risen Lord and Savior. You have been offered his peace. Receive the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this encounter with Jesus gave the disciples peace, but it also prompted them. Jesus said to them, As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. You see, we have a God who is ascending God. Our Father God sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. We just celebrated His birth less than a month ago, and we continue to celebrate all year round. Jesus was sent to earth for a purpose. He was sent to earth for a sacrificial mission. The Father sent Jesus to this earth not to condemn it, but to save it. The Father sent Jesus to extend his peace, to extend his grace to his people. He came to be in relationship with his people. Jesus died for all our sins because we can't possibly die for our sins. He rose from the dead so that one day too we will rise from the dead. He conquered death. He took all our sins upon him. And so Jesus concludes this statement saying that just as he was sent by the Father, we too are the sent ones. We are prompted. As a church, we are sent out. Yes, he calls us to gather together as his people, whether it be Sunday mornings or throughout the week. We gather as his church. I don't think it's our mission to only fill pews because we're the sent out ones. The church, yes it begins in here but it continues out there. The church is out there and we're continue, we are to continue the sent out mission of our sent out savior and to be obedient to Jesus Christ as the sent out ones. People of God, we have Christ's prompting I think it's interesting to note here that Jesus rose from the dead and he enters into the presence of the disciples and the first thing he doesn't tell them of the gospel message. He tells them the purpose of the gospel message. He immediately sends them out. That's what he does. If we claim to be a follower of Jesus, then we are prompted. We are sent out to do mission. And perhaps that mission begins right here in your own bench. Well, of course it does, because the church is the training ground for mission. The mission then extends to creating relationships in your neighborhood with your neighbors. And I'm not going to say that mission is going to be easy because it is going to be messy. It's going to be uncomfortable. Mission means that sometimes we have to adapt, and often with adaptation, there can be losses. And I think the losses, we too often make the losses so evident whether it's empty pews or missing programs or whatever losses there might be. And we tend to focus on the losses, but we need to begin trusting that even when there's losses, and we'll see the losses, that Jesus, through the power of his Holy Spirit, is going to provide us more gains and more blessings. And we have to be intentional about, intentional about looking for those blessings and those gains, because they're there. And that's what we need to share and focus on. So at first glance, one might think that prompting is not a gift. But let's look at this. Because we're called to be people in relationship. We're not created to be alone. So this prompting is a cue for relationship building. Relationships are a good gift to each of us. And so, too, then, is this gift of prompting. And once we have the peace of Jesus Christ upon us, how can we not share that peace with others? As we heard the sharing of Alex with the Sunday school and beyond. We share what we're given. That gives us joy, and it gives God joy. Verse 21 states, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And Jesus sends us out with his authority. He commissions us to extend his grace and peace to others in this kingdom. We extend his grace and peace to those in the church. We extend his grace and peace to those in the community. We extend the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ to all our brothers and sisters. We are sent to reveal the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're sent to reflect the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus to others and we reflect by living out and sharing the gospel of Jesus with others. An encounter with the living Lord Jesus provides peace. It and it prompts one to action. And then the final thing we don't do this on our own. We've also been given power. So Jesus offers the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible for anybody do any mission work on his or her own. You need the Holy Spirit. You do God's work through the power of Jesus. Jesus equips you through the Holy Spirit. Jesus empowers his people. As we mentioned earlier, Jesus is with you all the time. He's always with you. God is with you. He's with you through the power of his Holy Spirit. Even in the times of foibles and mistakes and challenges, he is with you. Earlier, we were reminded that we belong to Jesus in life and in death. And I think that would mean that in our mistakes and in our foibles and and in our goof-ups, God is still with us. He doesn't say, you're not my son or daughter. He continues to say, you're my son, you're my daughter. And he will grace you with those moments of his appearing. And you need to look for those moments. And we need to focus on those moments. We never go out on our own. We also sang this morning, I am not my own, but belong body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And God will break into our moments of comfort, and he's going to make us uncomfortable. And he will always remind us that he is always there for us the power of the Holy Spirit. We have that power. That same power, I think it's in Ephesians 1, that same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is at work in his people. That's power. And he offers the gift of power. If you're re- into restoring relationships with people, if you're into creating relationships with people, you need the Holy Spirit. So friends, the gospel... It's not about you or me. The gospel is all about God and what he has done through his son, Jesus Christ. And yet the gospel involves you and me. It is about God, but Jesus invites us to join him in the mission, in the spreading of his message. Now, I think a problem... That we often come against is that we say that the gospel is about Jesus. I, nobody will deny that. I, nobody here, I trust, will deny that. The gospel is about Jesus. We'll say that, but I think too often we're more concerned about ourselves. And we have to get over ourselves. We have to get over our opinions, our judgments, our fears, our anxieties. Did I say that we have to get over ourselves? And we're called to be open to the work of the Holy Spirit of Jesus in our lives. I think too often we tend to think that maybe the church is going down the tube. And we think that because I think we're failing to trust the work of the Holy Spirit in the church and in our lives. And when God invites us into his mission, he's not sending us alone because it's not about us. And he will make himself known to each of us. Congregation, we come. We come to worship each week. You are coming here with God. He's here already. He's with you already. And you are going to encounter God. And then you will be sent out with God. And God will continue to work through you and he will continue to use you because God has chosen you for a purpose. He has elected you to be on mission for him. And your mission is not to save anybody. Your mission is not even to save the church or this church. We're going to leave that up to God. Your mission is to glorify God by worshiping him and glorify God by being on mission for God so that others will come and glorify God as well. So Jesus miraculously appeared in this locked room. And these disciples encountered their risen, living Lord and Savior. And this encounter led them to getting Christ's peace, his prompting, and his power. And they were sent out into the world, out of that comfortable room that they were in. And into a world that ridicules and persecutes. A world that kills innocent people. And eventually many many of them were killed. But they unlocked that door out of obedience. This week, we are challenged to be more intentional as to where we will encounter God. Where have you seen God at work in your life and in the lives of those around you? And how is this encounter with Jesus going to impact the rest of your week and the rest of your life? And how is this impact with Jesus going to impact others? God has chosen you to save you, but he has chosen to save you for a purpose. And that purpose is to take part in his mission work on this earth at this time. So look for him in your life and share those God moments and those God sightings with others. Start sharing with a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a close friend. Share with your kids. Share with one another. We're not going to share with anybody else in our community until we start sharing with those who are closest to us. So let God change you and let him change your life through his peace, his prompting, and his power. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray. Father God, gracious God, sending God, we thank you for your peace and your prompting and your power. We thank you for your amazing grace and your presence in our lives. And as we recognize all that you have done for us, may we be obedient and respond openly and willingly to your call on our lives as you send us out in the name of Jesus. Bless us as we go out today, tomorrow, and in our daily activities. And through your Spirit, guide our hearts, our voices, our hands, our ears to a world that is in desperate need of a Savior. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is our Lord and our Savior. We thank you that we have been called and chosen. For our purpose. Hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.